Andy Phillips is executive director and head of school of Logos Academy Harrisburg. Andy and his team are providing low-income families in one of the worst performing public school districts in the state with a quality education. And they're doing so at a fraction of the cost. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to Brews and Views. I'm Matt Briette, president of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. I am in downtown Harrisburg today uh, with Andy Phillips, who's the executive director of Logos Harrisburg. Andy, welcome to Brews and Views. Thanks. Great to be here. Well, I'm glad you could join me because uh, education has been uh, in the news a lot, uh, part of the mm -hmm. State of the Union uh, that uh, President Trump uh, talked about the need to expand school choice. And I know that that's been a passion for you. In fact, mm -hmm. starting a school uh, uh, that's an, uh, you know, an option for kids in the city of Harrisburg. But before we get into talking about Logos Harrisburg, um, let's talk about how you ended up getting there first. I mean, wh where'd you grow up, Andy? And uh, uh, what influences on your life led you to take the path you're on now? Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, grew up in the Philadelphia area, was a uh, middle class, upper middle class family, uh, dad and mom, uh, brother and sister. Um, growing up, um, I was a good student, just an average student, uh, but my parents were concerned because I was one of those guys that would just take it easy if I could get by with a C, you know, why work? Good enough, yeah. Good enough for me. <laughs> they thought, well, that's not good enough for them. So they actually sent me to a private school. They had the resources to do mm. that. Uh, they recognized the school district that we were in at the time was going through some serious problems. And uh, so they had that option and I had I benefited from that and, uh, and remember that and understand that and understand what that did for me. So I ended up pastoring uh, churches for about 35 years. And Wait, you jumped from uh, elementary, private elementary school? Elementary, went right went into right pastor. I was a young pastor. <laughs> you know, I actually ended up uh, going to school uh, at, at Slippery Rock State College in western Pennsylvania. So and, all the way uh, across the state? All huh? the way across the state. I was interested in finding a school that was out in the country and uh, thought I wanted to be in education. Okay. Um, I got to school. Uh, first year, so I said, now education isn't the place for me. So it's kind mm. of ironic that I land back here. I <laughs> uh, ended up uh, coming to faith um, at the, through the college experience, and uh, that was a big life changer for me in a lot of different directions because uh, I came out of a family that was uh, essentially uninvolved in the church, and uh, so that was, that was sort of an eye-opener. Um, and uh, and through a number of series events, ended up uh, pursuing a uh, pursuing seminary and further education. Uh, but before I went to seminary, I thought, well, I really need to check and make sure that this is the direction. Uh, as a social work major, going from education to social work, uh, I wanted to be in a helping profession somehow. Mm -hmm. So in that process, I thought I'll work for a year as a social worker and learned a lot in that. It was pretty convinced that I didn't want to be in social work and ended up pursuing ministry with a particular interest in getting into youth ministry, working with students. And so... So you went back to Philadelphia, went to Westminster? Went to Seminary. Westminster yep. Seminary. Yep. Uh, I was looking for a place that would give me kind of a holistic education. There were some church connections I had back there and thought uh, that would be a good 
good place to land. So ended up back in Philadelphia at Westminster Seminary, ended up serving at church while in seminary, working with college students at Eastern University and at Villanova University outside of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And the very first church I served was in Sarasota, Florida. Uh, they were um, looking for a, 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 their first staff person that would focus on teenagers and uh, but would be involved in all around ministry. and. Uh, and uh, the pastor there was a guy named Larry Edison who had a big, big influence on my life. Um, he often would tell me, he said, you know, I, I don't think it was a very good uh, leader for you. And I said, well, all you did was took me everywhere you went. Uh, we talked about what you did. Then I do stuff. And then we talk about what I did. And I said, they couldn't have been any better. So <laughs> that fully equipped me and uh, served me well. And she's still a good close friend and mentor to me. So, today. so you had, you've spent over 30 years uh, in in the ministry. Right. Uh, what, what brought you back uh, to Pennsylvania and then ultimately to settle in the Harrisburg area and then We'll get into this whole uh, crazy idea of starting a school. Yeah, absolutely crazy. Yeah, so I think what, what uh, so through that experience in Sarasota, I, I found more and more my heart burn for students, uh, teenagers in particular. Uh, ended up taking a position in a large uh, church in Rock Hill, South Carolina, served that church for six years. But the more I worked with students, the more I realized uh, just focusing on students uh, isn't enough. Mm. Uh, it's a whole family system. Mm. And the more I looked at it, uh, it suddenly dawned on me, oh, no, that's what pastors do. <laughs> um, so ended up uh, accepting a call to a small church in York, Pennsylvania, where I served for 17 years as a senior pastor. Uh, we planted a couple daughter churches. Uh, it was a very, uh, very fruitful, ex exciting ministry. Uh, my heart was uh, really committed to making sure the church served well the community. And uh, so as we grew as a church and we planted daughter churches, I continued to have a burden for serving, uh, serving in the community and particularly people outside the church. And uh, after a while, it became pretty clear that uh, the direction I was heading in and the direction the leadership of this church setting was not the same. And so thought it's time to step down. And that was, uh, in a lot of ways, that was probably the hardest period of my life because I was a pastor uh, professionally for 30-some years. Mm -hmm. And so when people would ask me, what do you do? I'd give them a blank look uh, <laughs> because I heard, who are you? Mm -hmm. And I'd been, my identity had been so wrapped up in that. So it was a, it was a, a clarifying and a transformative period of my life, one of the bigger life-changing periods. Now, my wife says the biggest was marrying her, but um, I'm smart enough <laughs> to agree After that, yes, that. yes, yeah. yes. But that was when, when you realize how much your identity is wrapped up in what you do, and, uh, and in many ways I discovered the, the, the person I really was when I was in that, that moment. I worked, I sold used cars for a period of time. I did all kinds of things uh, during that period. And, uh, uh, and then recognized how, how uh, task-driven I was, how goal-driven I was, and, uh, and I never saw myself as that while I was in pastoral ministry. Uh, and it opened my eyes on a lot of other things, an increasing burden for the community and not just the uh, insular community of the Christian subculture. Mm -hmm. And I recognize in many ways how unhealthy that was. And um, and so. Um, well, and in York, you had, uh, I suspect during your time there, you saw the, the beginnings of uh, Logos Academy yeah, in York, yeah. which uh, uh, was an extension of 
uh, look, we're going to serve every kid right. that wants to darken our door and in some of the roughest, I think probably the roughest part of York there. Yeah, it was interesting for me because I knew Tracy Foster as so I came in and did Who's the founder of the Logos founder Academy. Of Logos, Harris, or Logos Academy in York. And uh, so uh, I'd, I'd go do chapels for this little school of just a handful of kids. And uh, I remember being sort of fascinated by that. Uh, I didn't, frankly, I didn't want to have anything to do with a Christian school mm. because I saw it as part of the insular church yeah. that wasn't doing much in terms of serving the community as a whole. And here she's doing this very odd thing, this very <laughs> suburban woman in the, in the heart of York and uh, done a, has, has done a, obviously a great work at well, this and, point. And as a, a Christ-focused uh, school, yet uh, really very open. I mean, there's yeah. no... You don't have to profess faith uh, to attend uh, Logos right. Academy. Uh, it's really, and I su suspect a uh, predominant number of students coming in there don't. Right, um, right. Yet it, they say that this faith component is really important to our educational yeah. philosophy. Yeah, it's it's we're educating the whole child, mm -hmm. and uh, and that was that was part. And we sent our kids to Christian schools at different times, and frankly, they weren't. Uh, we weren't overly impressed. We weren't impressed with the education. We weren't impressed with the insularness that mm -hmm. was communicated. And yet, this logos thing was doing something very different. And I thought, well, that's just that's something for them. I don't want to be involved in Christian schools. I'm not an educator. I'm a pastor. But uh, watching that should have been your first sign that when you say I don't want it. Yeah, it should have God been. works that way. I know. I told I remember <laughs> in seminary thinking, you know, there's a lot of things I'll do, God, but I'm not going to live south of the Mason Dixon line and I'm not going to work with middle school students. <laughs> First 13 years of my ministry, South and Mason Dixon line working with middle school students. So, uh, but but you know, at, at, in the York Church, it was fascinating to watch Tracy. It was it was interesting because I knew it was a different sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't interested in that at the time, but um, um, it was. It's interesting how things circle back, and and I should know better than to say those are things <laughs> I'm not going to do. Yeah, but, what are you what are you saying you will never do now because then you I'm, know where I'm, you'll be in uh, 10 I'm years, right? Smart enough not to say that anymore. So, but. so so you uh you you're now in Harrisburg and let's uh kind of uh, you run Logos Harrisburg uh, right. that uh, originally began as New City School and yep. but through a partnership with Logos Academy York and obviously your relationship with folks there and uh figuring out how do we deliver a high quality education uh, in a, uh, you know, poverty, uh, in a community that's, that's uh, stricken with poverty and underperforming schools. How did the, tell, tell how all of that, you know, because obviously the fact that you said, I'll never run a school or be involved in education, um, that's why you ended up here. But how did that happen? Well, what's interesting is even listening to you talk, I'm going, oh, yeah, that's why I'm doing this. Um, <laughs> Because I can remember at one point being sort of frustrated as a, as a white uh, upper middle class guy with a predominantly uh, upper middle class uh, church, you know, and, and you can't read the scriptures without seeing Jesus' emphasis on the poor mm -hmm. and serving. And, and I thought, I need to do that. I need to be more intentional. And I, I remember struggling with that and then at one point saying, well... I just don't know what to do. I guess I just won't worry about that. And uh, here I find myself uh, doing something that's rather significant and sort of addressing those needs and something that I think is a lot better. I ended up, uh, I got a call from a friend of mine named uh, Jed Sloboda, who was pastoring a church here in Harrisburg, Second City Church. And, 
And he said, you know, I'm leaving the church, and I think you'd be good for that church. And I said, well, Jed, you know, I think I'm done pastoring a church. I just would need to be out of that. And he said, well, no, I think this would be good. You need to talk to the leadership. Um, fast forward, um, I, I, I talked with the leadership. I thought, yeah, I can be the interim pastor there while they look for their pastor. So ended up at this church in Harrisburg, uh, just around the corner from the Capitol. And uh, while I was at that church, I ran into a guy that was trying to start a school like Logos in York. And I said, well, this is the perfect location for it. It's right here in Midtown. Mm -hmm. You've got this, you've got an easy reach into some very, uh, some poverty areas, uh, but it's right here and the, where there's some young professionals. It's perfect for the Logos model, which. Uh, you have a church that has some classrooms, right? I mean, it seemed. And it was, uh, it was yeah. sitting empty. Yeah. And, uh, and the church was very eager to host this and uh, not charge anything in terms of rent or utilities and. Uh, so I said, well, th this is great, um, and it should happen here. And the, the guy I was meeting with said, you know, you'd be great leading that. What are you gonna do when you're done uh, with this uh, interim? And I said, well, I don't know. Uh, and he said, well, you'd be great doing that. So um, it's his fault that I am where <laughs> I am now. And, uh, and this was back 2014, is This that, was is probably that, yeah. 2014. Okay. Um, and, um, and when he told me they were modeling after Logos in York, I said, oh, that's great. It's a great model. Uh, I know the CEO of Logos York, Aaron Anderson. We're good friends. He used to work for me. He was on my staff of the church. So we had these, this, uh, these tight relationships. And I said, well, why not? Uh, mm -hmm. I'll give it a try. So... So here, here you are. Let, we'll fast forward. You've been in operation a couple of years. I, I think you've got over 40 students uh, yep, yep. that are in grades pre-kindergarten, kindergarten, and first, and yep. with the goal of, uh, you know, adding a grade each year yep, so that yep. kids can grow with you. Yep, yep. Uh, describe your school. What What's it look like? Is this just a bunch of suburban white folks coming into the city to, you know, private education? Yeah. Or is this something different? I, I, I'd like to <laughs> Setting think it you up something, there. <laughs> something different. Thanks. It was a softball. Um, no, it's uh, it, it's fascinating to me uh, as, as a guy who benefited from a private school mm -hmm. education, who benefited from small classrooms, to be in a place where we've, we've got a diversity, a diversity of cultures, a diversity of socioeconomics, and uh, we're providing a high-quality, Christ-centered, private school education uh, for, uh, for, for those, uh, for, for everybody, anybody, uh, not just so, a few. So, yeah, so describe uh, the student body uh, so, that, that, that you're serving right so, now. Yeah. So the student body, so we're about 52% uh, about African-American, we're about, uh, about uh, Hispanic and other, about 20%, and about 28% about, uh, uh, white. 70% of our student body comes from uh, folks at or near uh, the poverty line. Okay. And uh, we've got a, a couple that would, would describe themselves kind of working class and a couple middle school families. Is this representative of Harrisburg? I mean, if you took a snapshot so. of Harrisburg, I think is so. This it's, it's generally representative mm -hmm. where Harrisburg, Harrisburg has got a pretty high poverty level. Um, but the, the driving force for the school and what keeps me going is it's really a justice issue. Um, I know I benefited from a private school education. I probably would have been fine going to public school because I had folks that were invested, that had resources, mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, but what I benefited from was a small classroom, individual attention. Uh, 
And what we're able to offer is classroom sizes of uh, 12 to 15 students uh, where we can differentiate the learning, where we can focus on students and really identify with where they are. So the Harrisburg Public Schools are amongst uh, the worst performing in in the state, uh, and they spend, I think the number is close to 20000 That's what I've uh, heard, Per yes. year, uh, per student. Yes. Uh, what, uh, first, what does it cost at uh, Logos Harrisburg to, to educate a child, and then how much are parents paying? And then we'll get into the academic performance okay, side. Yeah, but yeah so, what's the cost? Let's let contrast that with Harrisburg spending upwards of 20000 so, per kid. So the cost, for, the cost to educate for us is about $8,000 a student K, K and first, and mm -hmm. we expect that'll be about the same for a second grade. Full tuition at uh, Logos Academy Harrisburg is $7,500. Nobody pays that. Uh, on average, our families pay about $1,300 on that $7,500 tuition fee. Many of our families pay six to $700, mm. those at, in, in deepest poverty. Um, our concern is we want this to be accessible. I'll never forget a family. They actually came to us from another great organization, Harrisburg, the Joshua Group. Uh, they were looking for a place for their kids. I've for, heard of them. Yeah, yeah, I thought you might have. <laughs> um, and and they and I, mom walked in. She's had two boys about 10 months apart, and she was looking. She did not want them to go to the Harrisburg School District. Uh, this is a young mom. She was in her early 20s, four kids. Um, working hard to just stay afloat and uh, but she knew the value of education but where does somebody like that go that doesn't have the resources mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there are no options and uh, she walked into the classroom it was a couple uh, several weeks before school was starting I remember we were just getting things set up and I saw her standing she was standing in front of an old piano that we had moved aside the room was a wreck and I looked over and she's in tears and and I said, are you okay? And she said, I just never thought my boys would have an opportunity for a private school education. Mm. Mm. Frankly, she didn't care that we were Christ-centered. She, uh, all she cared about was she knew that it would be safe. She knew that there was a deep commitment on the part of our organization for a high quality education. And, uh, and, and she was moved and mm. she's made it work. It's been hard. Mm -hmm. She's often fallen way behind in tuition, but she communicates with us. And she really is, uh, when I think, when I get discouraged, when I go, why the heck am I doing this? <laughs> yes. I don't need to work. Yeah. I can retire. I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think of her, and I think of her boys. Mm. And her boys are great kids. They're super smart, super smart, mm. um, and uh, doing really, really well. But they're a handful. And, so, um, and they would have been lost in a, lar as mm. in a classroom of 27 to 30, uh, 30 students. Mm. So. And uh, yet the, uh, their mom realized that this would be, uh, you know, the best opportunity uh, to make sure that they uh, can thrive, not just survive, right? Right, right. So, so that delta between... The the cost to educate of eight thousand and the average uh, payment of thirteen hundred, and some even far less than that. Uh, how do you make that up? What what is it that uh, makes up that delta uh, in cost? Well, there, there's there's two things. One uh, big part of it is uh, is fundraising on my end. So I'm a pastor, so I'm learning that. I've been at this now for about four or five years. And uh, you know, just pass the plate around uh, town yeah, and get filled? I tried. Filled. That's just not working <laughs> so well. So I find people that are that love what we're doing, and I say, hey, would you invest in ed educating students? And uh, so that's one. The other big uh, help for us has been uh, the Pennsylvania Tax Credit Program, EITC. Mm -hmm. uh, that has provided uh, this year almost $50,000 
Uh, we will scholarship, we will give away about $180,000 in scholarships. Um, that's, more than, uh, that's more than half of our budget, um, and, and, uh, and we think that's vital for-, for So 50,000 through the tax credit program, but then the rest is your rest, uh, just hustling, uh, hustling money Hustling grants, uh, mm -hmm. about 15% of our uh, income comes through tuition and fees, mm -hmm. um, and, but the rest of that comes through donations, the Pennsylvania tax credit program, so that's vital for us. And uh, it is it is a lifesaver, and we're so thankful for that. So you're able to educate these kids for a fraction of the cost of the Harrisburg school districts. That's not that's failing to educate uh, these kids. Um, but uh, where where what is the academic performance? Tell me about uh, because that's one of the things that Governor Wolf has criticized. Uh, the program is that they're unaccountable. We don't know how they're doing. We're, you know, this is taxpayer money, which it isn't. Of course, it's, uh, you know, donations from that would otherwise go to Harrisburg, but they're going to education. Uh, they're going to pay it anyway. Um, what, what's uh, your uh, experience in terms of the academic performance of the students coming to you? Are you able to measure improvement and gains and that kids are actually learning in your school because it's great that you provide a nice safe environment but if they're not learning to read right. write and figure right. they're they're not right. going to be productive right. members of right. society yeah and so and our commitment is we don't want to just be better than worst um and a mm. lot of people will hold up harrisburg and say see that we're, we're better than harrisburg and that, that's you can you can shoot at that pretty easily uh, we're committed to offering an excellent education uh, we talk about educating mind and soul, um, uh, intellect and character, mm -hmm. and that's crucial for us. So it's a whole child education. Uh, but obviously academics are important. Um, and I remember we have a relatively new student who's come to us and, and, and a new kindergarten student came in January from another private school and, uh, and mom said, this is, this is an academically rigorous program. But when you look in our kindergarten uh, classroom, they're playing. Mm -hmm. So our, our teachers are top shelf, done a great job of not just uh, uh, the academics, but making it appropriate developmentally so, that, so we're, we're communicating a love for learning. But equally important is our students are testing really well. So um, our students that, that uh, came through our kindergarten program and are now in our first grade, uh, they're testing almost twice as high as students coming from other programs, mm. all kinds of different programs, and decent programs as well. Now, granted, it's a small sample set, but it's super encouraging mm -hmm. to us. Uh, I was mentioning earlier to you, Matt, about the one student who came to us who was uh, was at, uh, testing at nine percent uh, at one of our one of the bottom readers when she started, mm -hmm. and uh, we're uh, very excited. She's up at ninety nine percent, one of our top mm. readers. So growth is is huge for us. We measure achievement and growth, and that's an important part. And character development, because uh, we don't want to just create kids that are academically successful. We're looking to shape the whole student. Mm -hmm. uh, so mind and soul is super important for so, us. So one of the arguments of those who, uh, uh, frankly, never set foot in schools like yours, I mean, Governor Wolf hasn't visited uh, a private school during his tenure in office, yet they're critical and say that your schools are unaccountable. Uh, and then this is why we can't expand these types of options. How do you respond to that? I mean, how do you say, no, here's how we are in fact uh, even more accountable than say the, the, the public schools? Oh yeah, if, if we don't have parents investing in us, if parents don't believe in us, they're taking their kids elsewhere, mm -hmm. frankly. So uh, we, we 
you know, we're accountable to the parents. We've got investors that are investing money, and if we're not producing, uh, they're not going to invest. So, so I see those things as as huge for us in terms of our accountability. Um, and we've got we've got to produce. Uh, we have got to produce. If we don't produce, we're not going to attract students. Uh, we won't be around here very mm -hmm. long because people are going to people will come to us because of the quality education. And it's not enough that we're small and safe, but it's got to be a quality education. And uh, and and I think the market speaks for itself, frankly. Well, I think it's. Uh you know, we dismiss the market uh, and the power of the market. It's kind of, uh, while schools are, are different than restaurants, in many ways they aren't, uh, right? I mean, right. if, if, if uh, you uh, develop a bad reputation for serving poor food or a poor education, uh, people know that. Right. Uh, right. And that's more powerful than any government agency or, uh, you know, as look, we've got uh, schools that exist in Harrisburg that are failing uh, overwhelming majority of kids, a 90 percentile of students that are, are not proficient. Um, yet uh, this is the kind of a quote-unquote accountability uh, that Governor Wolf is talking about, and unfortunately it's failing a lot of kids. Yeah, yeah. so we're, we're, we're excited. Uh, we implemented our testing tool this, this year. We're finally able to do that, and, and that was a big part of that um, because we, we are accountable to parents, we're accountable to donors, uh, and we're accountable to anybody that's going to award us a grant. Uh, so we, uh, in many ways, we have a lot of different people that we need to report to, let alone our own board mm -hmm. that uh, is making sure that we're performing. Well, and your own commitment to right. the kids, right? I mean, this is something that uh, it's a passion for you and the teachers right. who could be going elsewhere and right. probably making a lot more right. money. Uh, and that's a level that you can never incentivize right. from the right. government. The government's never going to yeah. create yeah. those kinds of incentives that uh, you have amongst your staff and, right. and yourself. So what's your vision for, for Logos uh, going forward, uh, you know, over the next 40 years that you'll be serving, right? Yeah, yeah I'll, be, I'll be dead by then, but yeah, or 100. Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, the kids, we're about the kids. And, and, um, and you know, the, the problem for me, um, uh, there are a lot of nights, frankly, I wake up and go, why the heck am I doing this? Uh, in fact, my wife has said, you know, there's a lot of stress on you. Mm -hmm. And uh, why don't you go back to being a pastor? Uh, wouldn't it be easier? And, uh, and I, you know, it, when your wife says those kind of things, you think about it. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I realize, you know, I can't not do this. Hmm. Um, and it really is about the kids. And, you know, I look at uh, the, the two boys and I think about them a lot and hmm. uh, love them to death. I know them well and we know the families well. Big part of our, our commitment is parent partnership. And uh, so we want our families invested. We work together. We only have them for the day. You know, they've got them a lot longer. So we work together. And so to have partners like that. So I look at our vision is to be a school pre-K through eighth grade. And uh, we, we, want, we want our students to be able to go each grade with us. And so I think about uh, as I'm out there trying to find out how to, how to raise funds, how to grow our program. Um, I'm going, if, if I don't succeed, then we don't have an option for them next year. And, and that's, just, that's just not okay. Um, those are things that must happen um, because of these kids and uh, um, what we're able to accomplish. So as we wrap up here, uh, a lot of our listeners uh, don't deal with the abject poverty or the challenges that, uh, you know, the mom that you were just talking about and these kids. Uh, 
what would you say to all of our listeners to help them understand, uh, you know, maybe something about the poor that, you know, those who aren't poor really don't get, uh, or anything about that, that folks you want to take away from this, uh, as we continue to say, all right, how do we serve people in poverty the best, particularly when it comes to education. What would you say to that? Yeah, I, th- I think the thing the thing for me, and as a guy growing up in a white, upper-middle-class community, uh, predominantly white, and uh, uh, not, not much poverty in my uh, experience, and I think I had a lot of stereotypes. Um, I had a lot of assumptions. Uh, I thought about laziness. Mm-hmm. I thought about not very smart uh, but what, what I've recognized and what I rec- see in our families is these people are working hard. They're working hard just doing life, and, and it's amazing. Can you imagine being in your early 20s with four little kids, getting them out the door in the morning, getting them to school, coming up with extra money, not a lot, yeah. but you know, $700, a couple hundred dollars a month out of, out of already a tight paycheck, and they're making it happen. Not just short term, but long term. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think the eye openers for me and the things that, that I want people to see is that these families, the people that I run into and interact that are in, in frankly, deep poverty, work hard, uh, they're, they're smart, uh, they're doing the best they can to do life. And frankly, many of them have started with a horrible disadvantage. Mm-hmm. I had great advantage. Yeah, my, right. my family had resources. So I was put on a nice trajectory that would have been very, very hard to fail. And, uh, and yet many of our families, uh, many of our uh, families don't come from that kind of background. So, um, you know, smart, uh, intelligent, funny, um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've just been honored to get to know folks like that, because I don't think as a 23-year-old I could have pulled hmm. off what, what some of those, what family, some of those yeah. families are pulling so off. So if folks want to learn more about uh, Logos Harrisburg or get involved or support uh, financially, where where should uh, our listeners yeah, go? Yeah, uh, we're on Facebook. We have a website, logoshbg.org. That's probably the best place to go. I uh, love having people coming to visit the school, see what we're doing, meet the kids, and seeing in action what's happening. And uh, these kids are great, and uh, we're excited about what we've got and the potential, and uh, we're deeply, deeply dependent on uh, community support. So really well, appreciate this. Uh, as, as a supporter, I encourage folks to go to logoshbg.org, uh, get involved, uh, support uh, these efforts. Thanks Andy's so doing a great job uh, serving this community here in Harrisburg. And thanks for joining me here on yeah, Brews and Views. Hope you enjoyed the coffee as oh, well. Awesome coffee. All right. Thanks. You've been listening to Brews and Views, a production of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. Find us on Facebook at Commonwealth Partners and follow Matt Briette at M-A-T-T-B-R-O-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. 